Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. so glad that you're here today. Uh, let's just go ahead and uh, bow our heads and just kind of enter into a time of, of prayer and, and meditation. What a, what a great day this is. What a great weekend we have. This is Memorial Day weekend. A weekend and tomorrow will be a day that we stop and we remember and we praise God and we give Him thanks for all that we have 
as the people of God, as Americans. So, wow, what a great weekend this is. And you know, uh, this is probably one of those days where we will have as many people uh, watching us online as we have people on campus. But I am so encouraged by all the folks who came this morning for our first service and for you who are here with us today in our second service. And it's just a great blessing to be here. We've got a very, very special lady in our service today, Miss Maul Cohn. I'm so glad that Maul got to make it today her first time. Give God a hand clap of praise that Maul is here with us today. Wow, bless, blesses my heart so much to see her. And I know that we all have different things in our hearts and on our minds. And, and so now's the time that we just want to release those, okay? Let's just release the worldly concerns, release the troubles, release the pain. And we know that even today we have folks in our church family who are going through some really tough times. Some in our church family have been hit really hard with health issues and concerns. You know, cancer is just a horrible, horrible thing that affects all families. It's, it doesn't respect age. It doesn't respect gender, ethnicity, nationality. And there's a family in our church that's just received some really hard news this week. We got folks who are going through marriage problems and challenges. Parents trying to raise their teenagers. Teenagers who think they need to raise their parents. Just challenges all across the board. We just want you to know that this is a place that you can bring all of those concerns. You can lay them at the feet of Jesus. And boy, I tell you, my prayer, my prayer is that you're going to find people here who want to help you, love on you, pray for you, help you carry those burdens and even help you lay those burdens at the feet of Christ. So glad to have Dallas and Candace Pruitt here with us this morning, helping us lead in worship today. They've been attending our church family for several months now. I'm just so glad that God's given them gifts and worship and music. They're leading today, and I'm so thankful for them. Thankful for the folks on our, our platform every week who lead us, Steve and Danielle, Wendy, who's got so much going on with camp and everything this week, Suzanne, who plays the keys, Madison on the electric guitar, Zach on the drums, all the guys in the sound booth helped make this happen, and a lot of guys are out this, this today, and We're thankful for those who serve the body of Christ. We're thankful for those who serve our country. All give some when they sign up to serve. But some will do what? Some will do what? Some will give all. And we remember this weekend. If you're a veteran... If you serve our country in any of the branches of our armed services, even here nationally in our National Guard, we're so thankful for your service. The Lord is to be given a hand clap of praise even now for those in our midst who serve. Let's do that right now, church family. Yeah. But boy, we're reminded today that there is a kingdom that will never fall. Countries will fall, but there's a kingdom that remains forever. And today we turn our hearts and our attention to that great kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we give praise to the one who gave his all, his all, for all nationalities, for all races, for all ages, all genders. His name is Jesus. And today we come to praise Him, to exalt Him, and to worship Him. It's all about Jesus. So Father, we come to You. We just give You our lives. We give You our time. We thank You for the body of Christ. We worship You with a whole heart today. 
And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. Let's continue to worship. for today God we thank you for entrusting us with your um, with your money 
God, I pray this morning that as we give, we give out of a, a pure heart. And God, as we worship you in song, Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and you open our, our ears and our minds, God, that we receive your word. Uh, as Brother, Brother Allen brings it this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you. For it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.
to be rescued and I come empty to be As we always do, let's go ahead and just give the Lord a hand clap of praise because He's so worthy, He is so good to all of us, and we're just so thankful and so blessed to be here today. We're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 23 this morning, so I'll give you a head start to head over there. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, taking time in our service to uh, recognize new families that the Lord's been bringing to our church to as we say, to you officially unite with our church family. And so this week, Gail just listed uh, uh, all of the families this, this year since we've been in the new building um, in the bulletin today. So I'm, I'm sure you've had a chance to look at that and to see those individuals and families who connect with our church family. Uh, there's a couple of families that uh, uh, were not here either last Sunday or were not on my list and uh, one family is Chris and Kendra Glenn, and their two children, Brady and Mia, and they're sitting right over there. And so if you guys would just raise your hands, and at the end of the service today, I want you to come by. I want you to tell those folks that you're so glad that they're a part of our church family and make them feel the official welcome today. Also, Kenneth and Jennifer Love and their little girl, Kennedy. I, I didn't get a chance to see if they're in the service today, uh, but anyway, they're coming to unite with our church family as well. And I believe that everyone else that's on the list today, I have recognized in a church service. And so we're just so thankful for the many people God is bringing our way here at First Missionary. Well, today we're going to turn our hearts and our minds to a tremendous, I hate to use the word symbol, but that's kind of what it is. It's, it is a symbol, but maybe better expressed it's a memorial. Have you ever been to a new town or a new community or maybe on a road you'd never been on before? And driving down the road, you came up on, maybe it was a sharp, current, a sharp turn or over a steep hill, and you came up on maybe a cross that was sitting off the side of the road. Maybe it had some flowers on it. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe a picture that was encased in some type of frame for weatherproofing purposes. Maybe there was a name there that was marked at that point. It might have even been a stone or some kind of rock. Just some type of memorial, right? Do you have anything at your home that would serve as a memorial? A prayer bench in your garden, a rock in your landscape. These memorials are there to help us. To help us to do what? I mean, this is Memorial Day weekend. These memorials are there to help us to do what? To help us to remember. But what's interesting about memorial rocks or stones or crosses, and, and I would imagine you come upon one and you might sit there, you might think about Gee, I wonder what happened here. I wonder when that person was involved, maybe in an accident at this point on the road. You think about maybe even that person, you think about death, right? Or that tragedy, that, that horrible event that caused the memorial to be there. But the reality is that it's not death that caused the memorial to be there. What caused the memorial to be there is life. And when you do a proper memorial, you don't remember or remember death, but you remember for the sake of keeping alive. To keep alive something, a memory, an act of bravery, an act of courage. Courage. 
It's not to remember death, but to remember something that went beyond that death. Maybe even prior to that death, a life that was lived, perhaps even a life that was lived well. Right? That's what memorials are for. I guess someone could say that, you know, in Christianity, the cross serves something like a memorial. It reminds us of something. It's there to help us to look at a much bigger picture spiritually. I mean, really, the proper symbol of Christianity and our freedom and our celebration is not the cross. It's really the empty tomb. That's where our freedom comes. It's through the resurrection of Jesus. That's, that's the freedom and the, the liberty of, of a believer. But I guess it'd be kind of hard to put an empty tomb on a cross or on a, on a necklace or something like that. It's not real. It just doesn't have the same appeal that the cross has had over the years. But the cross stands as this symbol, a memorial to something that's much bigger than death, but to a life, a life before and a life after. Today we're going to come back to a scene that happens on the cross. We're coming back to, to that, a scene, and there are several scenes at the cross that I think are really neat. Those, those hours that Christ hung on the cross, there are several scenes, there are these vignettes, there are these puzzle piece scenes, like if you were watching a movie you would have this part of the cross, or you'd have this part, and, and you can go back through the gospel narrative and the story, and you can see these scenes in your mind. We're coming to a particular scene today that contains two of the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. There were seven sayings of Jesus, and in this particular scene, two sayings appear. Now, for many of us, we would regard this scene behind the memorial of the cross, and we'll talk more about the picture and symbol in a minute, but we would call this scene the penitent thief. Or as some people would say, the thief on the what? The thief on the cross. And in that, we were reminded that there, were, that there wasn't one cross but there was actually three crosses, one for Jesus and two other crosses for criminals. Now, to step back from this, okay, at a distance, this is just another day in Roman crucifixion history. This is how criminals died. This is a unique story in the Christian faith because Christ was crucified there but from a Roman perspective, this is just another crucifixion day of nailing criminals to a cross. So if you step back from this scene and you stepped away from what we know about it and what was happening there, everything there that transcended the scene, you would just conclude that it was the crucifixion of three criminals. But make no mistake about it, there's three crosses. And so I want you in your mind to visualize the three crosses. And I really believe that this scene, this scene, and we can even, at times, we even take pictures and paintings and graphics, and we have the three crosses, and, and there's a memorial there in that. But when you look at this, I want you to, to imagine the whole gospel being captured in this scene. Now, we'll call it the, the penitent thief or the thief on the cross. And many times when this is talked about, a lot of times it's talked about in the context of baptism. Is it necessary to be baptized, to be redeemed, to be forgiven, to be saved? And people will say, well, what about the what? What about the... Y'all know this is usually how the conversation goes. This is usually the context. What about the... Thief on the cross. What about the thief on the cross? Because the thief on the cross was not baptized, right? So you'd step back and you conclude it's not necessary to be baptized to be redeemed, to be forgiven, to be saved. 
But there's a much broader context here about this scene, the, the thief on the cross, the penitent thief. There's so much more there. In fact, this is a picture of the whole gospel. You say, well, how is this a picture of the whole gospel? Because on the center cross, you have a man who's dying for everyone. He dies for the guy on the right. He also dies for the guy on the left. And Scripture tells us that Jesus died. Who did Jesus die for? Jesus died for everyone. You have on one side of the cross a picture of humanity in the fact that there will be people who say yes. They'll recognize him for who he is. They will step away from being a part of the crowd of mocking and derision, and they'll say, remember me. Recognize him for who he is and say, Lord, have mercy, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. That's what memorials do, right? Memorials are about remembering. Just remember me. And notice this. He never said, God or Jesus, forgive me. He didn't say, you know, cleanse me thoroughly of all of my iniquity and all my sin. He didn't even say, have mercy upon me. He just said, remember me. And what's really neat about this is, is that Jesus doesn't just answer in regard to the question, but, but Jesus delivers much bigger than that. Because he says, today, you'll be with me where? You'll be with me in paradise, right? So he just asked to be remembered, but Jesus gives him the whole lot. And that's amazing. It's an amazing thing about grace. Is, is you just come to him and you say, yes, just remember me. And he gives you the whole lot. That's grace. But you also have on the other side of the cross, the picture of humanity that says, no, thank you. They become, they stay with the crowd of mocking and derision. They don't say, yeah, remember me. They, 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 they just continue to, to be in objection to him. And no, don't need you, no thank you. And that's a complete picture of this world. And what happens in this world is that Christ dies for everyone. And there's some people who say yes. And there's some people who unfortunately say no. All of this is wrapped up into this scene. And this scene is also filled with all kinds of what we would call logical contradictions. Logical contradictions. Antinomies are all throughout this. Things that don't seem right. Things that don't seem just. And things that, seem, things that don't seem fair at all. Things that are other human that are beyond probably where some of us would be if we were in the same situation or the same setting. So here they go. This is verse 33 of Luke 23. They came to the place called the skull. It's been said that where Jesus was actually crucified, that on the cliff of the mountain on which he was crucified, that, and I should have got a picture of this, that you can literally see like the impression of a skull in that cliff, like the eye sockets, the part of the, the, the bridge of the nose, etc. It's like you can literally see in, in that cliff where Jesus was crucified, you can see what looked like a skull. This term here is also Calvarius. It's the word, for, the word we get Calvary from. We talk and we sing about Calvary because the skull was also known as Calvary, I believe, that's, I believe that's the Latin, it's Calvarius. That's where they took Jesus to be crucified, him and the criminals. But again, you step back from this and you don't know any of the story. They're all criminals from a Roman crucifixion perspective. One on the right, the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. The soldiers would cast lots for his garments around him. They would even take an inscription and in mockery place this above the cross of Christ. In mockery, they would call him the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. Mockery, derision, they were spitting in his face. 
I mean, for the Roman guards, I mean, perhaps they were even taking some type of sadistic pleasure in their job. But what does Jesus do? Probably not what many of us would do. Yesterday, we were out at my father-in-law's, and we were doing some work around his shed, and I was walking out back, and I was moving some stuff around, some old lumber, and I started thinking to myself, you know what? I could very easily walk out here and step on a copperhead. So I'm looking. I'm watching. And for a moment, I just imagined myself stepping on a snake and feeling that cool, slithery snake underneath my foot. And I imagined, and you're thinking, Brother Allen, you go too far with this stuff. You ought, to, you ought to be in my head at certain points and times. I imagine myself stepping on it and then feeling it underneath my foot. I'm thinking, what would it actually feel like to step on a snake? And then I thought, what would the snake do? What would you do? Can I get a volunteer? You may want to volunteer for me just to just step on you. In, in, in proportion to size, this guy, look at here. Look at this. This is like this is like Jesus in you, the hope of glory. You know, he's like, okay, so so I, this is not planned. Okay, we're gonna go with this. Okay, just lay on the ground. All right, all right. Yeah, that's what a snake would do. You don't see a snake stand up, right? So can you imagine? <laughs> he doesn't know this is going out across the world online right now. Look at that. So, I mean, you know, in proportion, it's going to be much smaller. Can you imagine, you know, just somebody with a big old foot coming up and, man, just nailing you. You're a snake. What do you do? Go ahead. I'll let you do it this one time. Okay, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. You can, they can see from this side, okay? All right, there we go. What are you going to do? You're going to bite me, right? All right, good job. Now, slither on off. You did a great job. Give it up for Josh right there. I mean, that's a true brother in the Lord who's going to be like, hey, you need a snake? I'll be your snake. Y'all thought I was weird. Okay. What's going to happen? The natural reaction is to do what? It's to, it's to bite back. And we would say that was fair. We would say that is right. That's justice served. But Jesus doesn't do that. This is the right opposite of what perhaps even many of us would do. Mocking, derision, ridicule, scorn, spitting in his face. He just, he elevates himself above the situation. And he just says, Father, Forgive them, they ain't got a clue. They do not know what they are doing. Tremendous grace, tremendous mercy. That would be a tough place to be in. Because our natural reaction would be to bite back. But somehow, some way, and somehow, some way, even for us, it requires a rising above the situation. Maybe even the person. Have you ever really struggled with certain people in your life? Okay, I'm glad none of you do. Have you ever really, I'm not asking for hands or anything, but yeah, I mean, have you ever really struggled with certain people in your life? Brady and I. See, when we go and work in Hazel, he, he, he always gets these conversations from me. I mean, we're, we're, we talk about stuff, and we were talking about someone the other day. And he said to me, and he shared a situation, and I knew about it. And I was like, Brady, that person that you're talking about there, are they not like the nicest person you've ever met in your life? He's like, yeah, Dad. They're one of the nicest people I've ever met. I said, and in regards to what you just shared with me, you know that they've got people in their family, they won't even talk to them, right? Yeah, Dad. 
It's hard to imagine that somebody wouldn't like so-and-so, right? Yeah. What does that show you? It shows you that even the nicest people, people you'd never imagine, never dream of, have people in their life who don't like them, maybe even enemies. How in the world do you ever forgive people who've stepped on your back? Somehow you've got to rise above the whole scene and see a much greater picture of what's happening. Perhaps Satan's just using them as a tool to get at you. And it's not personal between you and them, but it's personal between you and the devil. Rise above the situation. Jesus rises above this situation. He sees a much bigger picture unplaying, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And the scripture goes on about, you know, how they mocked him. And then when you come to verse 39... A conversation starts. It's a conversation between what we'll call the two criminals. They are talking like about Jesus, and then one of them starts talking to the other one. While Jesus is hanging on the cross, the others are on the cross too, but there's this conversation that begins with these criminals. And one of the criminals who were hanged there, and everyone would look at this and conclude that, yeah, if you're, if you're looking at this from a Jewish perspective, a Jewish perspective, everyone here is cursed. Cursed of God. Because that's what is written in the Mosaic Law. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 through 23, if a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree... His corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him on the same day so that you do not defile your land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. For what is the parentheses there? For he, he who is hanged is what? Is a curse of God. Jewish perspective would say everyone here is hanging on the tree. is cursed of God. This is even what, this is what uh, Paul, I mean, Paul said in Galatians 3.13. He says, Christ, listen to this. Watch this. Christ redeemed who? I didn't highlight it for you. Christ redeemed who? Christ redeemed us from the what? From the curse of the law. Who deserves to hang on a tree? Whoa. Who deserves to hang on a tree? We do. Paul would write and he would say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's three crosses. We deserve all three. No one here can say, man, I've got it all together. I'm perfect. The scripture says there's none righteous, no, not one. Curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having Christ Having become a curse for us, not fair. People say that's not right. The innocent one becomes the cursed one. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In fact, it would go even further because the criminal would say, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us, hurling abuse at Christ. But the other answered and rebuking him. So one's rebuking the other, saying, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Oh my gosh, why are, why are you mocking and deriding here? And we indeed, verse 41, And we indeed what? We indeed are suffering what? Justly. So this one criminal he recognizes that he deserved to be there. 
He recognizes that the other one deserves to be there. He recognizes that Christ doesn't deserve to be there. In fact, he's pretty explicit with it. We are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. And here's what's interesting. We don't know what all they did. We don't know what their lives were like, their backgrounds, their past. We don't know the thief, criminal, stole something, thievery. We have no clue what those two guys did to deserve being there. But the one in the middle died for all of it. He died for their past. He, he died for their crimes. He was dying for everything that they had done in their lives. He, he, he was dying for their sinful condition. The one in the middle is dying for everything that the two on the sides had done throughout their lives. And one of them says, this is fair. We're receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but what's not fair is this man has done nothing wrong. And then he looks to Jesus. And this is where he says, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come in your kingdom. Didn't say, forgive me. Didn't say, have mercy on me. Didn't say, cleanse me, purge me. Didn't say, give me a new life. He just says, hey, just remember me. Remember me. That's it. And then what does Jesus do in return? He gives him the whole lot. And this is what grace does. Grace is not fair. In grace, you don't get what you deserve. When it comes to human economy, it's not just. It's not right. Have you ever met somebody or have you ever tried to give someone something and they wouldn't take it? Have you ever tried, have you ever offered something to someone and they would not take it? I have a good friend. And any time that I run over to like Dairy Queen or somewhere, I'm always like, hey, can I get you a blizzard? Never says, yeah, get me a blizzard. Hey, can I get you a bottle of water while I'm out? Nope, can't, won't do it. I, I even said the other day, I was like, hey, you know what? You've known me for many years. I offer to get you something every time I go out. But you never need anything. You're, you're, apparently, you're, you're, the way you eat is much better than the way I eat. But hey, I've easily said, you know what? You hurt my feelings. <laughs> you ought to at least say, yeah, Brother Allen, give me a blizzard and just give it away. I don't care. But at least just take the blizzard, okay? You're giving me a complex. You ever met someone, you tried to offer them something, and they just would not take it. You try to give them money. Nope, not going to take it. A gift. Nope. Can't do it. Why? Because many times they'll say, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And when it comes to the human economy, that can be noble, right? That can be honorable, admirable. That guy, he works hard. And everything he gets, he earns it. He, he works for that. He does not take, and I know this is not grammatically correct, but this is how we say it so many times. He won't take no what? He won't take no what? He won't take no, y'all know where I'm going with this? He won't take no what? Charity. He won't take no handouts. And from a work ethic standpoint, we say that's admirable. That's honorable. You work for everything you get. But when it comes to God's economy, spiritually, that will not get you anywhere. In fact, the scripture teaches that our best deeds, our best works, are as filthy what? Y'all with me? Y'all with me? They're as filthy what? They are what? They are filthy what? They're filthy rags. Yesterday, we were working on some mowers and stuff and spilled some gasoline. I heard it all night from my wife. 
Man, we could smell that stuff out in the laundry room. Got, got gasoline all over everybody's shoes. And we were out working hard, just, just being men, you know, sweating, working. I'm bossing him around. It was great. I'm kidding. But anyway. And what happens is you come home with all, of, all, all that stuff. And you still smell the gasoline on these rags and our clothes and shoes and stuff. Scripture says that you're a good work. Well, what you bring, what you bring, you're bad. Listen to me. Your best, your best is this filthy rags. And it has the stench. It has the stench of what you brought them through. And what you done, it's not proper grammar either. Filthy rags. And you offer this up to God. And God just turns his, turns his nose. Filthy rags. That's, that, that's the best we could ever bring. But grace is hard. And grace can be offensive. You say, why is grace hard? Why is grace offensive? You hear people say all the time, well, you preach grace, you teach grace, but blah, 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 blah. The yeah, but crowd comes out. Yeah, but, 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 yeah, but, 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 but you can't. Completely forgiven? Are you kidding? No way. Uh, not fair, not right. Okay, well, what do you bring? What can you bring? And you see, the reason grace is so offensive to people is because it insults your pride of what you can do, of what you can offer of what you can bring. But here's the thing. If you're ever going to be in a position to be able to be like Christ who says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. If you're ever going to extend grace, you got to know how to receive it. You can't be a good grace giver if you're not first a good grace receiver. That's why so many times in Scripture, when the proud heart, the one, the one thing, the proud heart comes, it's not given grace. Why? Because the proud heart hasn't been broken by law. Oh, you want to bring something? Then bring perfection. If you can be perfect, then you can make it on your own. But who's perfect? Can I get a show of hands? No one's perfect. Even James says to break one part of the law. If you break one part of the law, you're guilty of the whole. There's no one out of tens, two out of tens, three out of tens. When it comes to our righteousness, we are, we are batting zero. Batting zero. To be a good grace giver, you have to be a grace receiver. The one mocks, says, no thank you. And the other one just simply says, I, I have nothing. I, I have nothing. Just remember me. And Jesus says to him in verse 43, truly, I say to you today today you shall be with me in paradise paradise was the positive side of Sheol the realm of the dead also known as Abraham's bosom and from there he would bring and set free all the captives of all those who had believed in the Messiah prior to the cross he would set them free Paradise. You'll be with me today in paradise. He just wanted to be remembered. But Christ gives him the whole lot. But he had to be willing to receive. You know, I had this thought yesterday while mowing. This weekend, we, we, we celebrate Memorial Day weekend. Those who've served, those who've paid the ultimate price. And it's taken many folks. It's taken many people, many veterans, men and women, 
since the beginning of our country who, who gave their lives, who served, who gave their lives to secure the freedom that we have today. It took many, and I'm telling you, it's going to take many more, amen? It's going to take many more, right? It's going to take many more who will be willing to serve, many more who will be willing to give many times over. It'll take many, 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 even more. But the thought hit me. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, it takes one. It took just one. One sacrifice of life. One life that extends grace to every single one of us. One. Why one? Because one's enough. One's sufficient. One's adequate. And when people, when people insist that they're going to bring more to the table, or, or that, that, yeah, grace, but, but what I do and what I offer, then what they're doing is they're saying that, that what Jesus did is not sufficient. Is what they're saying. That pride takes away from the finished work of Jesus on Calvary. The best refrain is to simply acknowledge that there's nothing in my hands I bring, but only to the cross I do what? I cling. But until we can put ourselves in a place of brokenness and receive, we'll never, we'll never, we'll never be here being able to say to those who hurt us, those who step on our backs, those who deride us. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I would dare say that even today there may be some, some situations in, in our lives where we need to set some captives free through forgiveness. And forgiveness is setting a captive free. But realizing you're the captive. You're the captive. So today we're going to stand this morning and we're just going to Thank the Lord for His goodness. We're going to thank Him for His grace upon our lives. We're going to acknowledge the one sacrifice that was sufficient for all times for a kingdom, for a kingdom that will never fail, a kingdom that will never fall. We're going to allow our pride to be crucified on that cross because He was dying for that too. And we're just going to extend our hands. And we're going to say, okay, Lord. There is absolutely nothing I can give you, I can offer, I can add. There's nothing I can add to what Jesus has already done for me. But Father, remember me. Remember me. And then let him, let him eat, eat, immerse you with the whole lot. Forgiveness, redemption, a new nature, a new identity, holy, blameless, above reproach in my person, sanctification, the completed work of Jesus in my life and I'm telling you I'm telling you I'm telling you if you can't bring yourself to acknowledge the completeness of who you are in Christ then you have not come to understand the completeness of everything that Jesus has done for you on the cross this is our memorial Three crosses. We deserve every one. But the one in the middle, the just, died for the unjust to bring us to God. Maybe some of us today have never, we've never have just said yes to Jesus. 
Maybe we were taught that we had to do this. We had to do that. We had to be this way. We had to be that way. We had to maintain. We had to do and keep doing. And, and, and all of that is just religious performance that will exhaust you. And it will drive you further away from the cross of Christ because pride wants to add to what he's done. And it don't work. So maybe today some of us just need to come to him for the first time. Just, Lord, here we are. I'm opening up our, our hands and our hearts to you, God. Here we are. Lord, just do a great work in our lives, Lord. Just remember us. I have nothing to bring. But you bring to me everything through Jesus. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.